Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today, man, we are going to get nerdy in the coolest way possible. We're going to be talking about uh, a topic that, that I think is just outstanding and will help you in lots and lots of ways. It's also a topic that, that you probably have wrestled with or struggled with or thought about and, and possibly thought about and then threw your hands in the air, not in a, in a partying way, but threw your hands in the air and, and wanted to give up uh, because this is kind of difficult. So we're talking about lifetime customer value and how to use that uh, for smarter scale. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and two-minute crash course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest is Mr. John Grimshaw. You may have heard of him. You may have seen him. He is the Traffic Marketing Director at Smart Marketer with Ezra Firestone. He and I both spoke at Ezra's event in Seattle a little while ago, and, and I saw his presentation and thought, man, this is killer. Let's get him on the podcast. He also runs a consulting business called Data Centric Marketing. And so with that, I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. John Grimshaw. John, what's up, man? How's it going? Not much is up and it's going great. I'm uh, excited to be here. I would be surprised if anyone had heard of me. I try to do the uh, Wizard of Oz wizard thing. I'm always behind the curtain. So pulling levers, working the magic. <laughs> hey, exactly. that's often where the money is made. You know, sometimes it's uh, it's nice to be on stage and get the recognition and stuff, but the real money's often <laughs> behind the scenes and with the data. Uh, so this is this is a, I love this topic. In fact, you and I were chatting uh, prior to hitting record that that I was first introduced to lifetime customer customer value through Jay Abraham. And I think you know people that have listened to the podcast for a long time. I mentioned. Jay Abraham before when I was in college, my uncle introduced me to Jay Abraham's trainings and I kind of, my head exploded. I got super excited <laughs> about marketing and I thought, oh man, and I was working in radio at the time. I was like, oh man, every, every business should be thinking about lifetime customer value. That's, that's what you should be measuring. And then uh, I had this rude awakening where I realized no one's measuring it. And, and still to this day, so it was like uh, a long time ago, <laughs> like 15 years ago. Um, and to this day, not a lot of people that I talk to are measuring it. So uh, let's do this. Let's talk about uh, what is lifetime customer value and, and why is it important? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think sort of the confusion and the fear stems from that sort of uncertainty, right? People know the term. 
they have an idea that it has something to do with value and money and customers, but you know, they can't really pin it down. So mm-hmm. I like to give the simple example. Say you're a coffee shop business, right? And you're trying to decide if you want to spend your marketing dollars reaching out to young urban professionals in your town who may drink a little bit less coffee, but they're regulars. They'll be there for the next five to 10 years. Or do you want to go after maybe the college students in your town? They're only really guaranteed to be around for about four years, but they drink a hell of a lot of coffee. <laughs> and LCD, the only way they survive, man. Exactly. I, I think I drank half of my lifetime quota of coffee in college. So, <laughs> But LCTV gives us a tool where we as a business owner or an analyst or whatever you might be, can look at actual data from orders, from sales, from kind of measuring what's gone on to say whether or not those young urban professionals or the college students are sort of a better audience to reach out to. And so it's a really a great tool to help you think about where to spend your time, you know, because everything we do in marketing and business, time is honestly the most expensive thing you can spend. Absolutely. And where do you spend your your dollars, right? Where do you put your advertising money? Do you need to do it on platforms that speak to people in their mid-20s and 30s? Do you need to do it on TikTok? I'm still I'm still learning about this thing, but I'm sure that's where all the college kids are hanging out now. I guess so, man. That's that's, that's <laughs> one of the ways I feel old. Uh, so, you know, I don't even know what to do with TikTok. But anyway, that's another topic. So yeah, and I, I love this because you know I, I'm a I'm a traffic guy in OMG Commerce. Where we're a traffic agency and focused on e-commerce, and so you know living in that space. But looking at okay, what what audiences deliver the best lifetime customer value? What traffic sources deliver the best lifetime customer value? Maybe even what ads and what offers attract the, the, the buyer that's going to buy the most, consume the most, you know, be, be the best long-term client. It's really important. And understanding that, and I think most people don't, understanding that really helps you know where to invest your time because there's opportunity costs, right? If, if I invest in this and become an expert at this, then I miss out on something else potentially. And then, of course, uh, there's money involved as well. So uh, really good stuff. Why, why do you think it's so hard to calculate? And, and how do you go about calculating LCV? Because you can't just pull it from Google Analytics. Well, actually, I think they would like you to think that you can, uh, but you sort of can't. Um, yeah. So, so how, how do you go about this in a way that's simple and makes sense and is, is usable? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And so I think, well, I guess let me preface by saying there are more equations that can calculate lifetime customer value than there are stars in the sky. And that is why it's so tricky because everybody and their mother has a different way that they say, this is what the lifetime customer value is. Hmm. And nobody is wrong. It's kind of... Um, you know, it's sort of how data is something that has to be interpreted. And so you can look at things a lot of different ways. Um, But what I like to do and what I think makes it easy is instead of describing a bunch of equations and getting lost in the numbers, which is very fun for me, but it makes for terrible, terrible podcast audio. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah let's, let's describe these equations uh, uh, letter by letter. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think breaking down lifetime customer value into sort of the core components and working from there Beautiful. is the best way to do it. Absolutely. So there's, there's four big things that go into measuring this, right? And these sort of make up what we're trying to measure. And ultimately, we want to be able to say, over the course of the lifetime, that's where lifetime comes in the name, how much is a customer going to spend? 
you know, how much are they going to consume? Are they going to be multi-buyers? All that. And so what we look at are order frequency. So this is how often people come back and buy again. And really, this is, I think, one of the hardest things to decide. If someone bought a product from you two years ago, are they still a customer today? You know, it sort of depends on your business. If you sell sponges that last for two years, yeah, they probably still are a customer. But if you sell a single coffee pod and they haven't bought another one from you in two years, they are no longer a customer of yours. Absolutely. Um, so that's that's piece number one, right? Order frequency. How often do people come back? Then order value. So what is the average monetary value of someone that comes in as a customer? And that's an easy one, right? You know, are they buying a lot of stuff? Are they buying a little? Are the products expensive or, or cheap? Next, we have the customer lifetime. And that's, you know, thinking about that end point. Where does it really stop? And I think that's something business owners have to, to really dig in to think about. And then the last one, and the piece that I think people miss more than any other is thinking about margins, margins and profitability. Because when we live in the age of paid traffic where everyone's looking at ROAS, right. return on ad spend, which yep. is you know, the hot new sexy Facebook metric. Yep. Yeah. And Google too. I mean, that, that's, that's the metric that's there and, and it's a good metric, but it does not inform you of profitability. So. Yes, there, there's definitely value to it, but it's more the metric they show you because they can calculate it easily Correct. for everybody. Correct. Um, and ROI or return on investment, I'm going to get two lost in acronyms, I'll stop. But, but really thinking about what it costs you to produce a good, what it costs you to ship a good, to maintain your staff, right? Man, that is such an expensive part of running a business that you don't often think about when you're running paid traffic, right? It's not just paying the media buyer. It's paying, you know, the person who answers the phones, the person who sends the emails, all that. So there's all these costs that you really need to bring in because you don't want to say, okay, you know, my customers spend on average $500 with my business and use that as your operating number when you're not thinking about how much the product costs and how much all these other little pieces that support actually selling product XYZ bring into it. Yep. So they may spend 500 over a given period of time, but what does that mean in terms of margin? What does that mean in terms of, of profit that I have access to that I can use to reinvest and spend on, on marketing? Uh, yeah, it's important. You got to get a look at it holistically. So again, those four are order frequency, order value, customer lifetime. So what, what is that end point when they stop ordering and then margin? Uh, love that. So uh, it might make sense now to kind of, let, let's, let's talk about your origin story. Like how did you start doing this? And when did this really come to life for you? Because I think you've got some good examples, some things you did as you were first experimenting with LCV. So let, let's talk about that. So give people your background just a little bit, and then let's talk about how you got started uh, uh, with LCV. Yeah. So before working at Smart Marketer and doing my consulting, I worked at Digital Marketer for four or five years. Um, I'm much better at calculating financial numbers than date numbers. <laughs> <laughs> dates are like just, uh, they, I, I get lost in dates for sure. Um, and one of the projects that I spent a lot of time on uh, was working with Molly Pittman, thinking about what we needed to be spending our Facebook advertising dollars on. You know, you could sort of get this immediate sense that this sales offer or that sales offer seemed like it was performing well the day we would run traffic to it. But we wanted to kind of flip it on its head and start being more strategic because we wanted to really take the business and, and blow it up and get it out in front of not, you know, a million people or 10 million people, but a hundred million people. So I was going through and looking at, on average, what customers were worth 
after they had been a customer for a while uh, based on the different entry points, right? So did they opt in for something about content marketing? Did they you know, opt in for a video series about running a business? Did they opt in for something about Facebook ads? And sort of during this process, I happened to find this sort of goldmine we had that we hadn't realized. We had a, a free six-week course called Double Your Sales, which I believe is still active and it's totally awesome. You guys should check it out. Um, and it was a partnership with Infusionsoft. And so it was something we weren't really doing to monetize. We weren't spending a lot of time and energy thinking about where the money was because it was all about the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the very end of it, there was this $2,000 product called The Machine that we promoted. And it was pretty soft. There were like two or three ads for it. Um, and they really only came at the end. So it was something we just threw in there because why not? You know, it was sort of a good match and easy enough to add it. But we realized uh, when I started really digging in and looking at this data that the average customer value for people that came in through that entry point was a lot higher than it was for any of the other Facebook offers we had. So after six months, customers that came in through this double your sales course were worth about $280 roughly uh, versus around $130 for our second best funnel. Yeah. And you would never realize more than than double the total value when you, when you got people in on that introductory offer. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really just kind of turned everything on its head. when we started thinking about this, because we weren't really thinking about the money coming in over time, right? You know, you'd sort of be like, all right, we'll look at seven days out and that's what we use to make decisions. Um, But going in and doing this process, we realized, man, if we hit time out and really start thinking about how customer value grows over time, it'll give us this tool to say, double what our average customer value was by putting more behind this particular offer or structuring the things we're promoting in the same way. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And, and, you know, one of the things that, that we do a lot as traffic, as a traffic agency is, you know, we're trying to maximize for CPA, right? So, so hit a cost per acquisition or, or CAC, as some people call it, customer acquisition cost. We're trying to hit that number, right? Or hit a ROAS number. And, uh, but and anyone, even though that's, that's, those are valuable metrics, they inform you of a lot. Um, they are a little bit short-sighted. So you may have two different campaigns, two different offers, two different audiences that could get a similar CPA or CAC, but the value of that customer may be wildly different. And exactly. what's interesting, and, and I know Ryan Dice talks about this a lot, I believe it's originally a Dan Kennedy quote, um, is that, you know, whoever can spend the most to acquire a customer wins, right? And, and, and if, you don't, if you think about that on the surface, that's like not an exciting quote, but you think about what that means, what that means is the person that can spend the most profitably, right? And that means larger value, a better back-end system. If I can afford to take my CPA from 25 to 50 and I can be profitable and my, my competition can't be, then I've got so many more opportunities. I, I can really gain an edge there. So... Um, it's beautiful. I think, I think what this does is it shows that if you only look at, at CPA and ROAS, potentially a little bit short-sighted. Exactly. Yeah. So it, you know, it's a, it's a transformative way to think about how to do business. And at, at Blue Ribbon, the event where Brett and I were both speaking, it was funny because I started talking about, you want to spend as much as you can. And it, Ezra got up on stage after me and he's like, yeah, but Get your business where you want it to be. I was I was preaching the uh, let's all go out and spend a hundred million dollars uh, and make a yeah. profit as like you know what 
you don't have to spend a hundred million dollars if that's not right for your business. So yeah, and and, <laughs> and that I, that's totally that's totally true. I think um, you know you have to look at. I think some people get the wrong mindset of they're like, hey, I just want to get my ad cost as low as I can get them. And my thing is that that's that really shouldn't be your goal, right? Your goal should be how do I maximize profitability? How, how do I get the most profit? But I think the other point, to Ezra's point, is yeah, but what, uh, what, like, what's going to make you happy? And where do you want your business? And you know, we don't need to get too deep and philosophical, although it's okay if we do. Uh, what's the size of business that makes you happy? I did. I talked to a guy um, who runs an agency, you know, and we and, and my business partner Chris and I run an agency. Of course, we're about thirty-six people, and uh, this agency uh, got to about hundred people, and and then sold. And he said, you know, I had more fun when I was at fifty employees than I did when I was at hundred. And believe it or not, I made more money when I was at fifty employees than when I was at hundred. So it's, it all goes back to okay, just scaling up and up and up and up may not be the goal, but uh, you should consider it and and think about what's yeah. important to you. So and that's where that profitability piece comes in too, right? Yeah, I mean, hundred yeah. employees, your margin is quite a bit worse than when you have 15 employees. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just got to look at the numbers. The math changes as you hit these different levels of growth and, and these different revenue numbers, because as you, you know, go from 3 million to 5 million to 10 million to 20 million, some of the infrastructure has to change and the way you do business has to change. And maybe your operational people that are running your business at two or 3 million aren't going to be the people that can take you to 20 or 30 or hundred million. And so, yeah, lots of things change in there for sure. Um, yeah, you had a slide that, that I loved in your presentation where you said that, uh, you know, why LCV is sometimes bullshit and uh, uh, so it's clever. But why, why, is, why is the metric sometimes eh, less than uh, what we'd like it to be? And what, what did you mean by that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And so I'll tell a little bit of the story that I did in the presentation. Um, a few years back, I think it was 2014, this guy named Avinash Kaushik, um, yeah. Was doing something, yeah. Dude, I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah. So he's his blog is called Occam's Razor. Uh, great blog. I, I actually I, I got his analytics book years and years ago. Uh, read it on vacation. I was my family totally labeled me as a super nerd. I'm not that nerdy, <laughs> not that smart. But anyway, uh, yeah. So Avinash Kaushik, uh, brilliant. Yeah. Um, so he and he and Kissmetrics did this uh, interesting analysis, and they basically took all this public data that was available for Starbucks. And they used it to calculate what they thought customer or Starbucks's customer lifetime value was. And they used three different equations, right? So they used kind of a simple one, they used one that they built themselves, and then they used this really complex traditional model. And they came up with four extremely different numbers. One was around $25,000, one was around $5,000, and one was around $11,000. But you know, and so what they did is they averaged them together and they said, okay, the average customer value clearly is $14,000 when I averaged these three numbers together. <laughs> and they're probably pretty close, honestly, smart, smart yeah. people. But I think you really see illustrated in that the issue, the core issue, because like I said, there's a bunch of different ways you can really calculate this. And that range of $5,000 to $25,000 is the difference between a business that scales aggressively and, you know, becomes one of the top recognized brands in the world. Or the business that scales aggressively and 10 years later, people say, oh, yeah, you know, I remember that business, but I haven't seen them around in, you know, who knows how long. Right. Because you can't spend $6,000 to acquire a customer that's going to make you $5,000. But you can spend $6,000 to acquire a customer that's going to make you $25,000. And that, 
that's the core issue because when we're measuring lifetime customer value, there's a lot of ways to measure it. And you're looking so far ahead into the future that it's very, very hard to make a safe bet on what's going to actually work for your business. You know, you if you're off by one number, you know, you miss this one variable in your equation. It just amplifies like crazy because we're talking years and years, not weeks and weeks or months and months. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. And I think Starbucks, you know, they're they're at a place now in their business where they can take that average, so the five thousand, eleven thousand, twenty five, that they can take that average of fourteen and say that's good enough. Like that, that's good enough for us. We we're we're establishing our marketing budget based on percentage of revenue, and so basically we've got all this money to spend on marketing. Now we're just going to look for the most efficient ways to do it. If our if our LCV isn't spot on, we're going to be okay, right? But if you're if you're a scaling business. You need to get that calculation right because you could really mess yourself up if you know the example you used. If you realize, oh, we're actually on the lower end of that, but we're spending you know six thousand dollars to acquire a five thousand dollars customer, that's going to spell trouble for you as a smaller, medium-sized business. Exactly. So that's awesome. So let's talk about got another metric here that I love the sound <laughs> of, super uh, exciting, and it's CVV. Um, not the thing on your credit card, which I think is also that, but uh, <laughs> customer value velocity. So what is that? Yeah. So CVV, customer value velocity, TMR, registered trademark. I made that up. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But I think it's a really, it kind of fixes what I think the biggest issue with lifetime value is. And it's, it's easier to calculate in some ways. Uh, and what it does is it measures how quickly value is added. So we're not looking in our crystal ball five years into the future to say our customers worth $5,000 or $25,000. Instead, we are stopping and pausing to kind of say, okay, what is a customer going to be worth to us in 30 days, in 60 days, in 90 days? And we'll use that information to make smart decisions today about how we want to budget, how we want to spend, you know, who we want to target and what offers we want to put out there. And it's all about not playing the short game. I don't want to confuse this and say that this isn't a strategic play, but instead it's making decisions about what we're doing on paid traffic or with paid traffic today based on where we know customers are likely to get to. And when you really shorten that from lifetime, this sort of abstract, hard to measure thing to this really recognizable, you know, 30, 60, 90, you're basically looking in monthly increments. It allows you to combine the predictive power of looking at lifetime value with enough data and enough certainty that you can actually make smart decisions without, you know, realizing, oh, I forgot to, you know, flip the minus and the positive. And so, you know, it's closer to 5,000. <laughs> yeah. I just did home alone face, sorry. It <laughs> <laughs> was a perfect home alone face, by the way. I think you totally pull that off. And this is important because, you know, this, this also factors in cash flow, right? Because... <laughs> For a scaling business, for somebody that's doing you know two to five million and are looking to to go to go to the next level, you need to consider. So I, I'm willing to invest, and maybe I'm willing to break even on acquiring a customer because I know they're going to generate more income for me later. But how quickly do I break even? If I invest money now and I don't break even on that customer for a year, maybe I can't. Maybe I can't finance that. Maybe I can't handle that hit on cash flow. So looking at what kind of value does a customer add in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, that allows you then to say, how aggressive can I be? And how does this impact cash flow and, and my ability 
to scale and fund my marketing efforts. I think it's brilliant. I love it. So uh, you should totally trademark it if you haven't already. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. So uh, how do you calculate this? And I know we're, we're going to share some resources and some stuff at the end that people can use, but how would you go about doing this? Is, is, it, there's a way, is there a way we can kind of talk about it that would make sense or do you need to see it? Yeah, and I think we can talk about it. Well, there is an equation. It's very pretty. There's some bars. There's a line over at the top. There's a lot of letters, but we don't have to live in that world. So the first thing to note, or just to kind of like remember, is this metric, unlike a lot of ones we look at, it's not a single number. So we're not trying to go into this and say the number is three, right? We're not going to spit out a single thing because we're measuring a trajectory. That's why we use the word velocity. And so what we're going to end up with is that each of these monthly benchmarks, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, will have an associated customer value. And that is how we track what this looks like. So don't think that you're going to end up with, you know, the number is, is one or two or three. It's going to be something a little more complicated and it's going to factor in the time component. But the way that we calculate this, the way we go about doing it, is we pull in some historical data. And this is nice because even a business that's only been around for 10 months or so has quite a bit of useful information that they can bring to bear. Um, and you can make some smart predictions if you're new, but let's just take the example of a business that's been around for about 10 months to a year. What they need to do is go in and figure out how much money they made based on um, the month people came into the business. So what we're doing basically is figuring out our profit per customer based on the month that the customer joined the business. So, you know, somebody buys for the first time in January, they become a customer. Then we want to associate all the profit that we generate from them in each month after January with that group. And for February, we do the same thing, right? So people that buy for the first time in February, we know that in February, they spent $50,000. And then in March, they spent $10,000. So we've got this kind of running total. And then you sort of do this for each of the months. And at the end of it, you've got this really nice breakdown where you know after one month, customers have spent on average, you know, $50,000, um, $60,000, whatever it might be. And you take that and divide the amount of money you made, the profitability by the number of buyers. And it gives you a normal metric, right? So like $30 mm -hmm. in the first month. $40 in the second month, $50 in the next month. And by doing this, taking the profitability and dividing it by the number of buyers for each month, you end up with this, this roadmap of what customers are worth after being in your business for a month, two months, three months, four months. And you can average these all together, right? That's, that's kind of the important piece. You don't want to look at one single group of customers as your truth, right? capital T truth, because that is, that's how you, you know, end up making an unsafe decision. Um, but if you've got a year of data and you take this and you average it, you're going to see a very consistent number. You know, maybe it's after one month, customers are worth about $40. After two months, customers are worth about 60. After three months, maybe they're worth $70. And you start to see as you bring in more people and you do this over time, that that gets more and more precise because you have more data points going into it. But that's really all it is, is just being able to go in and say, on average, after being a customer of mine for a month, two months, three months, how much is someone going to be worth on average? 
looking across months, looking across products and things like that. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And so basically you're creating a, a segment or a cohort of people based on when they started doing business with you and then looking at what's the total value on average that group of people, that segment of people add after 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Then you get, you get several of those segments together, average it out, and you can get some pretty clear numbers. And so then you're looking at, okay, if, if I'm making $50 per a profit per customer month one, and then a total of 60 by month two and a total of 70 by month three, then you can begin thinking about, okay, what is a good customer acquisition cost? What is a good CPA? How much am I willing to spend knowing that that's what I'm going to recoup over those first 90 days? And, and that's going to be pretty insightful. Like that, that's data you can work with and use to inform your, your marketing decisions. Um, can you think of some, some examples? Like how are you using this uh, or in, in, any, any specific examples you would use and, and how this um, uh, was, was useful? Yeah, absolutely. And so the, the sort of simple example is what you just talked about, right? Thinking about the, the customer acquisition cost or the cost per acquisition. And you can use this customer value velocity to make very smart decisions about how much you can spend. And what I like to do is think about you as a business, how much risk can you handle? And it's, you know, it's how financial planners help you decide where the where to put your stocks. And so risk is not a scientific measure, maybe, but I think it's a good way to think about this. So if you're a new business, you're just getting started, you want to make sure you can make it to your first year, you want to make it to you know, staying afloat, your level of risk tolerance is pretty low because you're new, you don't have a lot of cash reserves yet. And so you should look at that first cohort or the first month for your customer value velocity and use that as your max customer acquisition cost. So, you know, new business can't handle a lot of risk. Okay, we have to make all of our money back within 30 days if we want to keep the lights on, right? If we want to keep this talent flowing into the business. Now, a little bit more of an established business can take on a little bit more risk. And so for them, I would say they can handle a medium level of risk, which to me is looking 60 days out. So look at your customer value velocity and you say, in, in our example, it was uh, $60, right? So the, the profit on average per customer is $60 after 60, month, 60 days. So for that example, you as a business could say, okay, we can spend up to you know, $59.99 to acquire a customer and we will break even or make one cent after 60 days on average. And then, you know, as you get bigger, you know, like Starbucks, our example, they can handle quite a bit more risk. So they might not even look out at 90 days, which is what I would recommend for most businesses in the, I would say 10 to 50 million, but they might say we're looking six months out. Yep. Yep. So we can, you know, we can spend $120 to acquire a customer. And we know we won't make our money back until we're past six months into this. But that's okay because we've got tons of cash reserves. You know, the system like keeps running on its own, even if we're not infusing it with as much people and all that. So you're really taking your customer value velocity and pairing it with your stability as a business and using that to say, which point can you break even? Can you wait one month to break even? Can you wait two? Can you wait three? Or maybe you can wait six or 12, 12 months, right? You may be a giant business like, uh, I mean, Amazon. I don't think Amazon breaks even in their first year, I would imagine. I think they, right, but they right. play the long game. Absolutely. But 
but they know they've got people for life. I think we had two prime membership subscriptions in our household for about three years. So <laughs> they, they uh, always... accidental to have two or what <laughs> yeah. was yeah. Uh man, it's crazy though. And that that's kind of a side topic, but this the 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 prime, the creation of the prime membership, how brilliant was that? I actually get to hear that origin story. Uh guy that worked at Amazon met on Jeff Bezos's houseboat. Uh, Jeff Bezos called him in like in the middle of a holiday. Uh, so there was, everybody was cranking. He's like, Hey, I got this idea. It's got to become top priority. And it was for prime, but, uh, that, that is their, that is their flywheel. And really once you become a prime member, man, you're spending, I've, I've seen some estimates that show your spend on Amazon goes from two X to like up to 10 X. Once yeah. you get that primary, it's, it's crazy. Um, so anyway, yeah, Amazon's definitely playing the long game. Um, so yeah, I love that. I love that breakdown. You know, if you, if you don't have a lot of cash reserves, you're just getting started or you don't have a lot of existing customers, I think your, your existing customers can kind of help fund this. So that's you know, the Starbucks example. They've got millions and millions of dedicated, addicted customers that help fund, you know, the, the uh, acquisition of new customers. Uh, so look at that. Yeah, do you need to break even in 30 or 60 or 90 or, or maybe it's six months? And, and really the, the further out you can go and still be viable and profitable then the more, the more doors open up for you. The more defensible you can be, the harder it is for someone else to kind of break in and, and uh, upend you or, or steal your customers, which, which is great. Exactly. Um, awesome. So let's talk, about, let's talk about some tools, some resources. So, so what, what tools should people use to kind of help calculate this, uh, calculate these numbers and, and kind of start pulling this together? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think... It's easy to hear this idea and say, wow, that sounds so cool. I would love to do that. But then everybody gets stuck because for a long time, the best way to do this was to calculate it manually. And, you know, that's still what I do. I love spreadsheets more than I love my dog. Oh, my wife will kill me when she hears me say that. But, <laughs> but luckily, in the past few years, there are quite a few tools that have come onto the market that give you actually really, really good insights into how to, how to measure this. And they can do it kind of automatically. So for any businesses on Shopify, there is an app called Lifetimely. And what it does is it builds these cohorts that we were just talking about based on when people come in and it automatically does this calculation for you. And it's not that expensive. And the reason it's really, really great and it's my top recommendation for this is because it can do a bunch of filtering. And I might add a little bit about that in a minute, but... But that's a really, really important part of this is being able to not just say, what's my customer value velocity, but being able to go in and say, for my customer value velocity, what is it when people buy this product first? What is it when people come in with this discount code? You know, thinking about it more about not just entry point by date, but entry point by these different things that might bring them into your business. Uh, another really good one, more for SaaS businesses than for... Uh, product businesses would be ChartMogul. Uh, this is one that we used when I was a digital marketer. And it's great because it does the calculation for you. And when you're doing a SaaS business, this gets in some ways easier and in some ways a lot harder because you're trying to make predict predictions about how long people are going to stay a member of your product. You know, it changes a lot. It, it's really just such a mess to deal with churn and thinking about all that. With product sales, it's actually kind of nice because somebody bought a product or they didn't buy a product, you're not trying to, you know, divine whether or not they're going to stick around or not like you do with SaaS. So those are my top two recommendations. You mentioned kind of early on in this Google Analytics, and that is my one red flag 
don't do this. Uh, <laughs> Which, not because GA is an amazing tool, yes. but not really for this. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I spend three, four hours a day in Google Analytics because it is it is the secret, right? It has all this information in it, but it is very good at helping you understand website behavior. When it comes to Google Analytics's uh, lifetime value calculation, which they do have in there, all it can do is look at the last 90 days. So you're not getting this average, right? So you're not really bringing in a bunch of different cohorts, a bunch of different groups to give you a stable, consistent number. And you can't look any further into the future, right? You're really limited, right? It's 90 days. It's only the last 90 days and it stops. Then it quits tracking. So that's really, you know, someday, hopefully, that'll be the tool. But right now, you really don't want to use that to make decisions because I don't think it's going to give you a good, consistent uh, source for this. Yeah, awesome. So let's talk about let's talk about lifetime just a little bit. So what what are some of those some of those filters or or kind of creative things you can do with that? Yeah. So I think the number one that any business owner should start with when they're doing this is to sort by the first product someone purchases. And what you're doing here is you're saying what product should I use for customer acquisition, right? Which one is going to give my customers the best experience, the best introduction to my business, and is going to be one that makes sure that they come back and buy again? Because it's pretty easy to sell a product to someone one time. But what's hard and what is the secret sauce to growing a stable business is getting people to come back and buy again and again and again. So going in and filtering these cohorts, not just by time, but also by what was the first product they purchased from you is what I do first with most businesses when I start testing this, right? If someone says, John, come do this for my business, I go in and I build this report for the customer value velocity. And then I immediately break it down by product. And I have a, a sample business that I did this for. You know, So they had me come in and pull all their data and they had, I think, like six or seven products. And they were selling some of them as single pay and some of them as subscription. And so we went in and calculated the customer value velocity. And we found out that one of their products, when they sold it as a subscription rather than a single pay, on average, customers that bought that as their first product were worth 67% more after four months, which is huge. Wow. I mean, wow. you know, that's massive for that business. And it's maybe not that surprising to hear that a subscription product ends up being worth more than a single pay. But the part that was really interesting is, and we'll call that product A. Product B for them, I looked at, I pulled the same customer value velocity, and I found that after four months, the single pay version of product B was worth 22% more than the subscription product. So it's not a question of saying, a single pay or a subscription is more valuable. It's more complicated than that. It's going in and saying this specific product sold in this specific way is actually the best way for me to go out to pay traffic and bring new people into the business because we know where they're going to be worth more after you know two months, three months, four months, whatever you want to look at. And using that to make decisions makes you feel really confident as a business owner. And the beauty is you can keep recalculating this. You can keep looking again and again and and making sure that you're still putting the best product out there for new acquisition of customers. Yeah, it's so smart. And, and I think, you know, where, where we tend to get into trouble as business owners and marketers is we would, we would start with that first test. So product A, hey, subscription led to 67% higher 
returns, you know, after four months. So that's it. We're, we're leading with subscriptions every time for every product in every market. And, and you know, when I said it that way, I was like, oh yeah, that doesn't make sense. Uh, it's really the nature of the product. I think the nature of the audience, it all has an impact. So you got you to gotta test it. But that's, that is a fantastic segment looking at what they bought first and seeing how that influences lifetime value and what the offer is on what they bought first and how that influences it. That's super smart. Then you also often break it down by, by channel as well. What channel brought mm-hmm. someone to the business and, and what the LCV is there. Yeah, breaking it down by channel is great. You can break it down by country of origin right? For people that sell online, we're selling all over usually. It's not US only businesses. So it can make a big difference, especially thinking about profitability. Mm -hmm. You can break it down by discount code that you bring people in with. You know, if you're putting different um, discounts out there, which is especially useful for uh, like referral programs I've seen, it's really nice to say, hey, you know, this 10% discount is really eating our lunch. We can't really sustain this because people are coming in that are just deal seekers. So let's, you know, pair it back or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, and there's, you know, all kinds of other ways you can do um, by how they pay, you know, are they doing PayPal, are they doing credit card, all kinds of stuff. We, we can get too, too nerdy with it, but basically any data point on an order um, yeah. in yeah. whatever platform you're using can be a way you break this down. And Interesting. you might realize that PayPal is something you need to take off your website. Yeah, um, yeah. Isn't that great? Or, or maybe you need to test something like Amazon Pay. What, I mean, there's all kinds of things you could look at by the way someone pays. How does that influence my cart and what I, what I highlight or don't highlight in my cart? That's, that's awesome. Well, really good stuff. So, so, John, this has been phenomenal. I want to talk about how people can connect with you. So let's start with, hey, people that are, are listening to this and they are like you and someone like me where hey, I really enjoy this stuff. I enjoy looking at the formulas. I enjoy looking at the math behind it. Where can they go to find these beautiful formulas that you've created and how can they get access to those? That's a great question. So uh, when this podcast goes live, I will put up at datacentricmarketing.com forward slash e-commerce dash evolution. Is that the right name? Perfect. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I will put the slides up there where you guys can go grab those. So you can actually just download these and look at the formulas, which I think is pretty helpful. (laughs) You know, it's easy to talk about. Eh, it's not. It's very hard to talk about, actually, but it's easy to look at. That's what I should say. <laughs> you did a great job, actually. This was super clear, even without the visuals. And we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. So we'll have a link to that that uh, presentation. Fantastic. So that that's a way people can look at the formulas and get an idea of that. But also, I know there's going to be people out there that just say, man, I want to work with John. I want to hire John if that's possible. Let's just Let's just have the expert helping us make sense of things. How can people connect with you that way if they want to uh, hire you to help their business? Yeah, great question. So on that same site, you can find uh, a form that you can submit if you're interested in working with me. Or if you don't really need the, you know, the one-on-one component, I work with Smart Marketer on uh, their traffic products. You know, So team traffic and train my traffic person. So if you're looking for the ability to work with me, but you don't want to you don't want to pay for my time very actively and you want other stuff, right? Other things to do with paid traffic, um, Facebook ads. I know we're going to have you in there in a yep, few weeks. Yep. yep excited, excited about, about that. that. Really excited. Yep. Um, so check out teamtraffic.com or trainmytrafficperson.com and you can, can work with me and Molly and Ezra and all these other awesome people. We do all different kinds of education stuff, including 
a training I did about how to pull this data. So if you want to learn the nuts and bolts of manual calculation, right? How do you go into Excel and just go nuts? I've got a training in there on that. So. Beautiful. Love it. John Grimshaw, ladies and gentlemen, this was fantastic. So much fun. Really valuable. Uh, John, appreciate you coming on, man. That was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. Oh, I cannot wait. I really, really love talking about this stuff. This was super fun. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, I'm going to start cooking something up in the lab for next time. Sweet. All right. Sounds good. So we will, like I mentioned, link to everything in the show notes. Also check out data-centric marketing. Also, yes, check out Train My Traffic Person uh, and Team Traffic through Smart Marketer. We'll link to those resources as well. I've got a training coming up in there, which will be a lot of fun. And so with that, big thanks to John and thank you all for tuning in. As always, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear feedback on the show. What would you like to hear more of? Do you have any guest ideas? What would you like to hear less of? Any of that good info, love a a review on iTunes if you feel so inclined. That does help with discovery of the podcast. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. All right, dude. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.